welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for the latest sermons and audio updates from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 1211 1st Avenue North on the third floor. So, um, it's been a weird week, right? I think most of us can, can sort of say with a great degree of certainty that no matter what your last week has looked like, it has been weird. Whether that meant we were traveling out of state and back, traveling to somewhere on higher ground and back, whether you kept power for the entire storm or didn't keep power for the entire storm, whether your power came back on and you had no internet, which may be worse, it's like a tease, whether or not you had major damage at your house or not, I think all of us are still feeling that tightness, that awkwardness that this storm has brought. It was, no matter how laid back and collected you are, this has been a stressful week. I mean, just think about where you were seven days ago this morning. You were probably either already out of town, maybe you were panicking trying to figure out, what am I actually going to do about this? Or for some of you, we have a number of folks who work in hospitals and who are first responders who were already at work preparing for what was going to happen. It has been a strange week. And not only that, as all of this sort of mess and power outage and stress begins to happen, something else happens. We're forced to rely on others. Maybe... We had the house that was strong enough, and we had to host others. Maybe we were the people that were lucky enough to keep our power on, and everybody was saying, hey, can we crash with you? Whatever it is, whether it's cleaning the yards, all throughout this week, something has happened, which is we've been forced to rely on other people. We've been forced to have other people help take care of our pets or our yard when we couldn't. Maybe we were at work and people needed to take care of things around our house. All sorts of ways we have been forced to rely on other people. And while on the one hand, we love the way that this makes us come together as a community, on the other hand, we don't like that feeling of needing others, do we? We don't like that feeling of having to have someone else help us out. We're more than happy to be the helper. But when it comes time to being the helped, something happens inside of us, doesn't it? It makes us feel it makes us feel weak when someone else has to come take care of our stuff. It makes us feel inadequate when we have to call somebody to fix something for us. Whatever it is that you've experienced this week, we've all had this feeling of not liking being dependent on others. Because we, especially here in St. Pete, have a high value on independence, on self-reliance. We can do it ourselves. We are capable, so we will take care of it ourselves. This is true of just about everyone in this room. I know that because it's also true about me. I thought, 
for those of you who come here on a regular basis know that the, the messages that we were canceling church did not come out till late last week. And part of that was because I thought quietly, secretly, kind of in my mind, that I might be able to shift Irma's path by sheer force of will. By, by just, just I'm going to wait, and I'm going to not cancel church, and Irma's going to go away, and we're going to have church, and it's going to happen. I don't want to rely on other people. I want to take care of it myself. We value independence, self-reliance. Not only do we see this sort of in our own lives, but we see this in our culture at large. Right? What's the most popular song, according to Billboard, in America right now? It's a little song by Taylor Swift. And for those of you who know pop music, who listen to it, this song is about self-reliance. Right? When you hurt me, I'm going to get back at you by my own strength. Look what you made me do. It's the name of the song. I don't know. That wasn't a joke. And, and yet, but that's, that's how most of us feel, right? If someone hurts me, if someone wrongs me, I've got the strength inside of myself to get back at them. Whether that's through hot anger or cold anger. Whatever it is, I have the resources within me. What's interesting is this self-reliance that we all have. This self-reliance that is sort of endemic of our culture as a whole, and especially here in St. Petersburg, is it's a lot like the city of Corinth. Uh, this morning, we're starting to work through Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. And as we do, it's just really interesting, the parallels between that city and here in St. Petersburg. On a superficial level, first of all, Corinth was a city situated between two bodies of water. Right? Corinth sat in between two bodies of water, much like St. Petersburg. Uh, but not only that, it was a city that was going through revitalization. It had been burned down, and now the city was, was coming back to life. Much like St. Pete in the past 10, 15 years has turned from a sort of sleepy retirement village into a kind of hipster, entrepreneurial, we'll paint on every wall we can find type of place. Not only that, it was a center of commerce. Corinth was where uh, these shipping channels and these roads kind of intersected with one another. So it was a huge port town. And because of that, it was attracting all sorts of young people from all over the world. They would come to Corinth to start their new business. Maybe you were from somewhere that had some unique good. You would go to Corinth to sell those goods. And so there was a spirit of entrepreneurship. And all the money in town was new money. There was no old rich money in Corinth. Everybody had just made their first big chunk of cash. And so it was a city that much like St. Pete was self-reliant, was self-made. They were the captains of their ship. They were the masters of their domain. They were going to make it work by the power that they had inside themselves. And because these people were coming from all over the world, it was a melting pot where all of the religions of the world were sort of coming together in this new town, where all of the sort of 
thoughts were coming together in this new place. And so, what we see is that Corinth is incredibly like St. Petersburg. And so what I want to do is open up and begin to read this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Corinth in the church. And so I'd ask that if you would, would you stand with me? I'm going to read the first 17 verses of the first letter to the Corinthians. It says this, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who live in every place who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way... You were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gifts, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and there be no divisions among you, but that you would be united in the same mind, in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize, that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. City Church, this is the Word of God, written nearly 2,000 years ago, and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. So Paul begins this letter. He starts this letter to the church at Corinth. And even from the very beginning, we see that it's kind of a mixed bag of good news and bad news for the people of Corinth. So he starts it in the way that letters sort of often start. He says that he, who he is, and what his sort of job title is, and he begins very quickly to get into why he's writing. The people at Corinth are saints. He calls them saints that have been set apart, but at the same time, we see very quickly that they are a church who is divided. A church who has a lot of stuff that separates them. From one another. And what's interesting is that this separation comes from their sense of self-reliance. And the same is true of us. How many times do we rely on our own intelligence to get us out of a problem? Our own hard work to fix what's wrong. How many times do we rely on our own relational savvy to make sure what needs to get done, gets done? 
Or maybe it's our money that we fall back on and rely on. Maybe it's our religious rule-keeping. Whatever the case was for them and for us, what all of these things amount to is self-reliance. And so Paul, immediately in this letter, sort of jumps in very quickly, and he starts to go after that. He starts by saying, look, you are people who have been changed. You are saints. You are no longer people who are apart from Christ. You are now a part of Christ. You are part of God's community, of the Christian community. And he says that because they've been changed by the gospel. That God really has changed them. And not only that, but He gifted them. That He gave them these gifts that came from Him. And you think about it. This is a group of people in this church who are already a talented people. These are a bunch of entrepreneurs, of educated people, of artists, of people that already have a lot of stuff going for them. And He says over and above that, God has also come along and gifted you with even more. Now, what do you think happened to the Corinthians in this case? The same thing that happens to us, right? When we sort of are really good at something and get even better, what do we do? We begin to rely on that thing. We begin to think that we have arrived. And what the Corinthians started doing is thinking that they had it all together, that they didn't need anything else. You know what? Yes, I became a Christian, and now I'm very eloquent, and now I have a lot of things going for me. I don't really need Jesus all that much anymore, because I've got it all going on. I have arrived. You are welcome. And the people of Corinth started to think that they did not need to rely on God, but that they had it in themselves. And what's interesting is Paul begins to play out this tension that we see throughout the Bible, which is this. In the one sense, we are already, if we are Christians, made saints by God. We are already forgiven. We are already paid for and changed. But there's a not yet that's real too, right? For those of us who are Christians, do we still mess up? all the time? The answer to that question is yes, whether you want to admit it or not. While God has already placed His name on us and made us saints, we are oftentimes not very saintly. I speak from this from experience. While God has already made me a saint and forgiven me, I am oftentimes not very saintly. I'm awful. I'm awful self-reliant. But Paul tells them at the very beginning that the good news is that his love for us, that his forgiveness of us, his change, his gifting, everything that God has given us is not based on the things that we have done. What does he say in verse 9? That God is the one who is faithful. Not us. Because if we were judged by how good of a job we are doing as a Christian, if that was the measuring stick by which we were measured, that would not go well for us. And so Paul reminds them from the outset that the good news is that you are not measured by your faithfulness, but rather the faithfulness of God. But, 
That's not enough for the Corinthians. They keep going back to their self-reliance. We keep going back to our self-reliance, don't we? Despite the fact that I have forgiveness, freedom from shame, pardon from guilt in my life, available to me in Jesus, what do I do? I keep trying to make my own way. I keep trying to dig my own path through the mountain. And what happens is, this self-reliance begins to create divisions among us. Here's how it worked in the Corinthian church. People started to kind of pick their favorite preacher and say, oh, I'm, I'm a Paul guy. And then somebody else would say, oh, I'm not a Paul guy. I'm totally an Apollos guy. And then somebody else would say, well, well, I like Peter the best. right?" And you had all these people who were breaking up saying, this is the guy that I follow. No, I follow this guy. right?" And then there was a, a fourth group. And let's be honest, this is probably the most annoying group of them all. While they were arguing about who their sort of favorite preacher in the church was, there was a fourth group that was saying, well, I just love Jesus. What was going on here? Because Paul and Apollos and Peter and Jesus were all teaching the same thing. So there was no difference in what Paul was saying and what Peter was saying. There was no difference between what Apollos had to say and what Jesus had to say. So why are the people dividing? The people of Corinth were dividing because of style and power. Every one of these people was different. Jesus spoke like a Jewish rabbi. He told stories. Paul was a trained lawyer who was a Roman citizen. Peter was a fisherman who probably had that kind of all shucks-ish way about him. Apollos, the Bible tells us, was eloquent. He was an incredible speaker. And so you have all four of these guys saying the same thing in different ways. And people began to divide up and say, oh, I like Apollos. Oh, I like Peter. Why? It was a symbol of their self-reliance. Because what happens when we dig in to being reliant on ourselves is we begin to surround ourselves with people who act just like us. When I become self-reliant, I begin to get around people who look and act just like me. Because what? Those people aren't going to challenge anything about me. Many of you go to the gym. And why do you like going to the gym? Because everybody there has the same paleo snacks as you do. Why do we end up separating ourselves into these camps, into these groups, into these crowds. It's because we, in our self-reliance, begin to get around people with the same stuff. Same problems. The same solutions. You know, in business, there's a, there's a test about this, which is really interesting, which is the question of, where do you keep your ketchup? What's interesting 
is that that question can tell you a lot about how somebody grew up. Because some people, right now, you're all kind of looking around curious. Because for some of you, you don't know why anyone would ever put ketchup in the refrigerator. That's not where it goes. It goes in the pantry. And for others of you, you're going, no, that's crazy. Ketchup should be cold. You know what's funny? Is you end up hanging out with a lot of people who put their ketchup in the same place as you. Okay, that, that sounds dumb. And hold on, let me go a little further with that, though. The reason we do this is because we surround ourselves in our self-reliance with the same type of people as we are. We find people who are like us. But that brings with it some trouble. As you begin to surround yourself with people who are like you, what happens when you're not enough for that crowd? Maybe you start hanging out with all the fit people. What happens when you're not fit enough? Maybe you start hanging out with people who love to go out on boats, and that's sort of their thing. We're the boat people. What happens when you don't have the money to keep up that? Maybe you decide to hang out with all of the smart people. Go to Mensa meetings. What, what happens when you're not smart enough? When you're not pretty enough. When your self-reliance begins to run out of room. You see, even the groups that we self-select into ultimately push us further and further into our self-reliance. And that's why the people of Corinth were divided. I want to talk for just a second before we move on with this about those people who would say, I am of Jesus. Because this is a particularly insidious form of self-reliance. Because what that is, is people who are religiously self-reliant. I don't need anyone else, because look, I'm doing all the... I know the Jesus answers. I'm the guy that blurts out Jesus at every Bible study as the answer to every question. When, when, when we say that, when we sort of put our hand on our hips and say, well, I'm of Jesus, right? When we do that, what we're showing is that I think that my acceptance before God is based on my faithfulness. How good I am. How much I have it together. See, all you other people are arguing about Peter and Paul, and I'm over here following Jesus. Why can't you do more? See, for some of us, it's not that we need to repent of the way that we are divided by our self-reliance from other people. It's the way that we are divided because of the ways that we think our acceptance by God is based on how good we've been this week or this month. And so as Paul sort of wraps up this introduction, it's interesting how he finishes up. In verse 17 he says, I did not come here to baptize or to, to put you guys into little crews within the church. Here's what I came here to do. I came here to preach the gospel, the power of the cross. 
That's the phrase he uses. And what's interesting about the cross of Jesus is that it's only powerful for those who see it as necessary. The power of the cross of Jesus Christ is only necessary for those of us who see ourselves as weak. As in need. The power of the cross of Jesus is only for those of us who see ourselves as inadequate and needing help from others. You see, if I think I'm a good person, if I think I have it together, if I think I can take care of it on my own, then what do I need Jesus for? See, and this cuts across whether we're Christians or non-Christians. For those of you who are Christians, most of us functionally live our lives as if we don't need Jesus. As if we can handle it. I got Jesus a while ago. I got it. I can take care of my life from here on out. And the power of the cross is only available to those of us who see ourselves as weak and inadequate, which is hard. Because it strikes at the very core of our self-reliant identity. It strikes at the very core of my self-reliant identity. That I can do it. That I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can start this. I can do this. I'm, I'm good enough. And Jesus comes and says, You're not. You're weak. You're in need. And so then what he says is, Here's what the church is. The church is the community of the inadequate. We should put that on our business cards. That, that'll sell really well, right? <laughs> hey, come to City Church. We're a bunch of inadequate, needy people. See you there. We laugh at that because it strikes at something that is just culturally pounded into us. And yet... That is exactly what it is. A community of people who say, I don't have it together. I can't always help myself. I need other people. And I need Jesus. And when we begin to believe that, something begins to change in us. We begin to see the goodness. That it's not based, that my life, my acceptance before God is not based on my faithfulness. Because I am weak and inadequate and in need. But rather, my acceptance before God is based on the faithfulness of Jesus. The fact that He lived a perfect life. He was always adequate. He was never needy. And He died so that I might have His strength. And so this morning, it's a call for us to look and go, why is it that we divide from one another? Why is it that we partition off from, to, from other people to people that are just like us. It's a call for us to begin to see ourselves as inadequate and in need of Jesus and other people. And lastly, it's a call for us to recognize our self-reliance. All the ways we use our intelligence, our hard work, our religious good works, our money, our relational savvy to further ourselves instead of being willing to admit that, that we are weak and in need. But the good news is that it's not our faithfulness. That it's not our lack of neediness that Jesus loves in us, but rather what His Son has done for us on the cross.
Let's pray.